exercise, and so I, I went on a walk, and I, I got about a block and a half away. I was on the phone with somebody, and all of a sudden, I hear footsteps coming behind me very quick, and I just didn't pay any attention because it's a subdivision, and there are sidewalks, and all of a sudden, someone from behind me went, Rah! and I screamed that way again. And it was my daughter, and I got, I got home, and Angie said, I heard you screamed like a girl again. So this is, this is where I'm at right now. Come to church to feel loved and supported. Do you see Angie and Ellie? Let them know that. <laughs> All right. So last week we talked about the importance of, of being a fruitful Christian. And uh, we, we said that God desired and expects, that's probably a strong word, he expects us to be fruitful. And uh, we, we read that scripture that said, you will know them by their fruit. And so it's not as important for you to tell us who you are because your fruit tell us who you are. And so a pear tree can wish to be an apple tree, but its fruit is the identifying factor that tells us what it is. And we, we talked about a couple different types of fruit that a Christian should bear. Uh, we said the fruit of discipleship, uh, evangelism, teaching Bible studies. Uh, we talked about uh, exhibiting the characteristics of the Spirit, which are the fruit of the Spirit. And then we ended with talking about the fruit of good works. And so today is going to be a continuation of this, and I'll hinge with, with, with two just quick sentences. The first is that fruitfulness does not happen without faithfulness. And this is in your handout, the first fill in the blank. If being fruitful is the product, being faithful is the process. And so, when I see, when you see, when the Lord sees fruitfulness, it's a testimony to faithfulness. And we'll talk a little bit more about this at the end. This is a very important topic, and, and I, I purposely, maybe it seems like I should have started with faithfulness, but I purposely left this one for week two, because we live in a time in which uh, faithfulness is not a common trait. Uh, it, it's not a characteristic we see practiced. I, I just did some searches on the internet and found a couple statistics that, that speak to this fact. Uh, according to the American Psychological Association, approximately 40 to 50 percent of first marriages end in divorce. It says, it says that, that the, the 25% of men have an affair on their wife in America. According to the Atlantic, 40 million Americans have stopped attending church in the past 25 years. That's the biggest decline uh, since they've been doing this report, which has been done for a while. 40 million people just stopped coming to church. And, and, and we can see this trend happening because uh, according to Gallup, in the year 2000, there was about 44% of U.S. adults that would say they had been to church in the past seven days. And as of January of this year, that number has gone down to about 31%. It, it, it climbed back up after COVID, and now it's coming back down. They call it the great de-churching. No longer are people saying which denomination. There's just people that say, I'm just not religious. It's crazy. I don't know if you notice it, but when you drive to church on a Sunday morning, the amount of people that are doing yard work and are uh, ch church 
church is just, it's an afterthought. According to career builders, 40% of people called in sick in, sick in the last 12 months when they weren't. And I know you probably could say, well, okay, let's, let's talk about this one. But I think it speaks to a trend uh, that, that at the core of it is faithfulness. Uh, according to Zipia, the average tenure of someone over 55 in a job is about 10 years, whereas the average 25 to 34-year-old is at a job on average just under three years. And they said the average 20-year-old can't make it a year. What one generation does in moderation, another generation takes to excess. And so uh, we can villainize Generation Z, we can villainize millennials, but they learned those values in the home they grew up in. If they were given an, an iPad to raise them instead of family time, they learned their values from TV shows and from what they saw on the internet. The days, sadly, uh, sadly the days of handshake deals and going off of someone's words seem to be a distant thing of the past. Uh, because today we live in an age where promises are easily broken, commitments are quickly forgotten, reliability is a treasured as a rare trait, and consistency uh, seems like a foreign word. And, and in all of this, and, and I, I know I'm probably starting off kind of heavy, but I, I think the, the words of Solomon are very much so applicable to today when he said in Proverbs 20 and 6, but a faithful man, who can find? And the Lord, the Lord is looking for faithful individuals. He's looking for individuals that he can entrust his plan and his calling to. In the kingdom of God, faithfulness is a necessary and it's an important trait. And we'll, again, wrap up with, with a really strong emphasis here at the end. But Scripture tells us in Hebrews 3 and 2 that Moses was faithful in all of his house. And, and his is, is a capital H. So, so in the Lord's house, he was faithful with God and what God entrusted to him. Daniel chapter 6 and 4 says when, when they tried to entrap Daniel, they couldn't because he was faithful. His integrity was so strong. Joseph's integrity was so strong that when he was in a room and nobody else was around, his integrity said, I need to get out of this room when a woman came at him. 1 Timothy 1 and 12, Paul remarked to Timothy that it was because of his faithfulness that God entrusted him with ministry. He said, how I got to this place is not by chance or just luck, but, but God entrusted me with where I'm at because I was faithful. And lastly, in 1 Corinthians 4 and 17, Paul sent Timothy to the church of Corinth, and he tells the church, I'm sending him because he's beloved and because he's faithful. He's a faithful man. So, so what does this mean? What does this word mean? Uh, what does it mean to be faithful? And to understand this word, it's, it's important, I think, that we, we look at the root word, which is faith. In a very familiar passage of Scripture, Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, now this, is not, this is not a definition of faith. Uh, if we were to define faith, we'd say faith is, is an unwavering trust in God. It's, it's something that lives and breathes and exercises independence upon God. And it says that, 
faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But, but he continues on in verse 6, and he, he makes a very startling statement to us that should redirect our attention to verse 1 and in the rest of the chapter. He says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. Faith, faith, if I could put it this way, faith is the currency of believers. It's the currency of heaven. And without it, he said, you can't please God. You can't do enough good things in your life to get God's attention. But it's faith that, that causes God's attention to turn towards you. It's, it's faith that opens the door to the impossible. And so this is just maybe a working definition, but to be faithful, first of all, and this is in your handout, it's going to be deep. You ready for it? To be faithful is to be full of faith. To be faithful is to be full of faith. These two words in English, um, yeah, they mean maybe different things, but in Greek, the word faithful and the word faith are inseparable. They're, they're the same Greek word. And so, yes, it means belief in the Greek, but it also means conviction, trust, confidence, fidelity, reliability, and dependability. And we see this throughout Scripture that, that oftentimes they're used interchangeably. Matthew 23 and 23, Jesus talking to the scribes and Pharisees, he, he says to them in the latter portion of the verse, he said, uh, you need to look at the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. In the New International Version, it says you need to look at justice, mercy, and faithfulness. They're, they're used interchangeably. So we can say this to conclude this thought that faith without faithfulness is misplaced faith. Faith without faithfulness is misplaced faith. Ultimately, our faith will be lived out in our faithfulness. And that leads us to the second part of this definition. To be faithful is to have beliefs that impact our behaviors. Number two, to have beliefs that impact our behavior. J James touched on this, and I think it's applicable he said in verse 18 of James chapter 2, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. We, we, we said this last week. We're not a, we're not a works-based religion. We don't, we don't believe that works. No, it's, it's by grace are you saved through faith. He said, not of your works, lest any man should boast. But, but James said, if you want to see my faith, I'm going to show them to you by my works. You believe that there's one God. You do well. Even the demons believe. And how do we know they believe? They tremble. It's, it's not just a statement they make, but when they're in the presence of God, they're visibly shaken. And that impacts their behavior. But do you want to know, O oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? So, so you say, I have faith. But if there's no verifiable proof, he's saying it's dead. It's just a statement. No difference than going in the garage and saying I'm a car. You can say it. You can put a tail on and say I'm a furry. I'm a cat or whatever. No, you're not. Take, take estrogen and say I'm a woman. No, no you're not. You're, you're still a man. We have a lot of people that make a lot of statements. But just because you make the statement doesn't mean it's true. He says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? 
Yeah, Abraham believed, and he believed so much that he didn't know that when his hand was in the air with the knife about to plunge it into his promise that God would stop him. But he believed God, and, and Scripture says it was counted to him as righteousness because he believed God so much that he was willing to give what God had given to him. He was willing to just throw it back on the altar and say, hey, it's yours. That's, that's true faith. Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works, faith was made perfect. So our, our beliefs will impact our behaviors, or, or say it this way, the quality of our faith will be evident in our faithfulness. So we have, we have probably people that we could say have varying degrees of faith, and we can see that because of their faithfulness. We can see that by the way they live out their faith. I'm a Christian. How often do you go to church? I don't. I go, I go Christmas and Easter. Okay, so I can see by your faithfulness what your faith really looks like. Because if you, believe, if you believe the word of God, you would be following it. The Bible teaches that I'm saved by faith, that I must walk by faith, that I need to live by faith, that I stand by faith, that I pray in faith and overcome through faith. But my faith has no power unless God remains faithful. And how many of you know we serve a faithful God? He is faithful even when we're not. Paul, Paul knew this, and he, he told Timothy, he said, if we're faithless, good news, he remains faithful. Even, even when you have a bad day, he doesn't. Even when you turn your back on him, he doesn't. Even when you mess up for the umpteenth time, he is still faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all your unrighteousness. John the Revelator saw it when the heavens were opened, and he said there was one that sat on, uh, on the horse, the white horse, and his name was Faithful and True. At, at the end of the age, he will be revealed for who he is, Faithful. And so God is faithful to do a couple things, and uh, I would say actually he's faithful to do a lot of things, but let's just talk about a couple of those things. For, first of all, uh, in your handout, he's faithful to bless me. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 21, uh, he says, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassion fails not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Uh, listen, we don't deserve it. But, but God is faithful. Every day his mercies are renewed every morning. Every day fresh blessings from heaven arrive at our doorstep. And we did nothing to deserve those things. But God is faithful to bless us. He's also faithful, number two, to protect us. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. We see this with Job, the angels and the demons are presenting themselves before the throne, and, and God's just kind of bragging on his children. He says, hey, have you seen my servant Job? There's no one like him, really. He's, he's faithful. He's upright. And, and they say, well, Satan says, well, hey, listen, that's because you protect him. That, that's because you have your hedge of protection around him. Remove that hedge of protection and let me at him. Give me, give me the opportunity to come against him. And we'll see how true and how strong his faith is. And the Lord says, okay, you can do it, but here are the limitations. 
And so we get this picture that, that the, the enemy does not have free course on our life. Again, sometimes we make the, the devil bigger than he is. We have a bad day and we blame it on the devil. Things go badly and we blame it. Don't give him more power than he has. Because he can't get at us unless the Lord allows him to. And what the scripture says that even if the Lord allows him, he's made a way of escape. He, he says, I know what you can handle, and so I'm going to let him in a little bit, but you have the way out. I, I've given you the confidence in the word of God. You know how to get out of this. So I'm not going to allow him to have full course on your life. He's faithful to protect us. He's also faithful to forgive me. I, I just quoted this scripture a couple moments ago where, where John said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. His, his forgiveness is not conditional. It's faithful. Goodness and mercy, David said, follows me all the days of my life. Man, how, how wonderful is that? Because I know the life I've lived. I know how much grace and mercy I've needed in my life. And, and the Lord says, hey, listen, I'm, I'm faithful. When you come to my throne, when you get on your knees and you ask for forgiveness, I, I'm I can cast your sins, and I will, as far as the east is from the west. I throw those into a sea of forgetfulness. I don't, I don't dwell over them. I don't pull them out of the sea when you mess up the, the next time. No, no, I, I forgive you again, and I throw them right back where they belong. He's faithful to forgive us. And lastly, he's faithful to keep us. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. It's this, this, this work of sanctification, right? We Past tense, we've been justified, but, but present tense, we're being sanctified. We're being delivered from the power of sin. And, and he said, he's going to keep us. He, he's going to keep it to the day of completion where we enter into a time of glorification. God will keep us until his return. And Paul would say this, Hebrews 10 and 23, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And so the only response to a faithful God is that we hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, that we ourselves as believers of God, as born-again believers, are faithful. As stewards of, of Jesus Christ, we're, we're called to be faithful. And I want you to know this. It's not a suggestion, but, but rather it's an expected attribute of a born-again believer. Paul, Paul would say to the church of Corinth, moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. And, and so it's, it's imperative. This is, this is a part of the fruit of the Spirit. And so if we are filled with the Spirit and we're walking in the Spirit, a byproduct of that is we should be faithful. But what does that mean? Well, what does that mean today? What does faithfulness look like? It's sad that maybe at times we have to ask these questions. And I know I'm the one that posed the question. But, but I think today it's, it's a true question because we look around at us and, and it's hard to find sometimes examples in the spotlight of what faithfulness looks like. And so what does faithfulness in my life mean? Number one, this is in your fill-in-the-blanks, 
it, it means that I have confidence. Revelation chapter 2, verse number 10 says, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. Oh, man. That you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Notice what's not said. It's not said you're going to be thrown in prison, and, uh, and then good news, the angel is going to walk you out of the prison, and you're going to go back to your friend's house, and you're going to have an all-night prayer meeting because he said, no, you're going to be put in the prison, and you're going to be tested, and it's going to be tribulation. It's going to be hard for, for 10 days, but be faithful unto death. It may be a long 10 days, but, but be faithful until the day they take your life because when you die, you'll receive a crown of life. You see, sometimes we, we get this kingdom of God thing backwards. We, we think that he owes us healing, that he owes us deliverance, that every time we get into a jam, he owes us the get-out-of-jail-free card. But sometimes God allows those things for us to go. Sometimes he allows people to be sick, and he says, I'm not going to heal you because your faithfulness is going to be a testimony in my kingdom. And so there's a purpose. You don't ask why. Ask, what am I trying to do in this? Uh, bro brother, um, uh, brother Littles, when we were at lunch, he, he said, I have a little bit different theology than, than most. He said, I believe, and this is his, his understanding and study of Scripture. He says, I believe that when someone gets sick, we pray for 30 days for God to heal them. If God doesn't heal them, we accept that God doesn't want to heal them. And we go on asking now new questions. What are you trying to do in this? Now, some may disagree with that theology. Some may say, well, what about this, that, or the other thing? And, and those are valid questions. But God doesn't owe us anything. He, he, it doesn't mean he's mad at us because he's not healing us. And, and, and no, it doesn't mean I've done all these good things and so now I deserve this. He's saying, no, my, my kingdom doesn't work that way. Everything that happens is for the good, to the glory of God. It's not for your good. It's not so that you have a comfortable life and it's not that you get all the promotions and you get all the blood. No, no, I, I do things in people's life for my glory and for, who, who sinned, his, they said about the blind man, who sinned, his mother or, or, or the child? Who, who, who did the, the mistake? And he said, neither of them. But, but he was born this way so that the glory of the Lord could be revealed. Why was my child born this way? So the glory of the Lord can be revealed. And in our Western mindsets, we can't wrap our head around that. Because we think, why, why, why would a good God allow me to suffer? Well, because he's look, you're looking at a micro level. He's looking at a macro level. You're looking about yourself in the moment and how it affects you. He's looking at the bigger picture. You're saying, God, I'm walking in the fire. And he says, but the world around you sees that someone's with you in the fire. And you may not see the fourth man in the fire, but the world sees it. You don't see the, I don't know why I'm sitting here, but, but you may not see it, but people around you see it. And so God must be the object of our faith. It's, I've learned, I've learned it's easy to have faith when everything's going good. I've perfected that. Everyone likes me. 
everyone's happy with me, things are going my way, blessings are coming in. Man, that's the type, that's the type of Christianity I like, right? Windows of heaven pouring out blessings that you cannot contain. I'm like, yeah, I'll take another one of those days, right? Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. In the other verses, we sometimes take out of context to, to fit our, our theology. I'll take more of that, but it's another thing when things are going badly in our lives, when we're suffering for his namesake, when he's not healing us, when tribulation befalls us. That, see, I think that's when faithfulness truly is measured. When, when you go home and you and your spouse have a knockdown, drag-out fight, and, and you're this close to, to laying hands on his neck and praying for him with both hands. God says, I, I want to see your faithfulness. I, I want to see how faithful you can be in the bad times. You know, I grew up in Wisconsin, and, and we had the brewers that were terrible and the bucks that were terrible. And, and, but what happened when they started winning? Brewers jerseys started selling. Pennants started being put in young boys' rooms. And, and when the Bucks got Giannis and when the Brewers got whatever his name is, everyone gets excited because we call those individuals fair-weather fans. And we have a lot of people that have fair-weather Christianity. They're, they're a fan, but, but maybe not a diehard fan. I want to be a fan, but I'm not going to go outside when it's, when it's 20 below, and I'm not going to be there when they go on their road games. No, God says, I'm, I'm not looking for fans. I'm looking for followers. Amen. People that will roll up their sleeves, will pick up their cross, will deny themselves and say, it's not about me. I'm going to follow you. And that's what he's called us to be. We see this in David. David says in Psalms 118 and 8, he said, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. He said, if you look at my life and you look at the things that are taking place, you, you can notice one thing about me. I don't have confidence in people. I don't have confidence in myself. People are flawed. I am flawed. My, my confidence and my trust is in the Lord. And, and I think it's because of that that in Psalms 23, we see David write, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Not, not because my best friend came over to my house and, and is sitting with me. Not, not because I have a wonderful spouse. Not because I'm such a great person. He says, I'm not going to be afraid because you're with me. And, and because my confidence is in you, I don't have to fear evil. His confidence in God impacted his faithfulness. Scripture tells us in the last days in Matthew 24 and verse 6, and, and, and I feel like every time I read this verse, the words become realer because we're seeing it played out. Jesus, talking about the last days, he said, You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nations, and kingdoms against kingdoms, and there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes. I, I looked up within the last uh, seven days, uh, 4.0 and, and, and bigger, there's been 156 earthquakes in the, in the uh, not the U.S., in all the world. 5.0 and greater, there's been 26 earthquakes. Like I said last week, these things are happening at such an alarming rate that they only talk about the big ones. He said there's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be famines. There's going to be pestilence in diverse places, places they've never been. And these things are the beginnings of sorrow. Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted. They shall kill you. He's talking about the church. He's talking about Christians. You shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, shall betray one another, shall hate one another. Many false prophets shall rise up. We're seeing a lot of those 
and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But here's the verse. But he that endures till the end shall be saved. Who's the one who's going to endure to the end? The one who has their confidence in God. The one who trusts him and says, I know you're a man of your word. And, and things may not look good out there, but I know things can be at peace in here because I have your word living inside my heart. Like David, I'll hide it in my heart that I'm not going to sin against you. It's a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. Uh, the news outlet isn't the light in my path. It's not telling me which direction to go. No, your word is the lamp. It's the light. And if we believe it, we'll be living it in our faithfulness. That The second thing is, uh, the second way that we can see faith, faithfulness lived out is in conviction. Conviction. Third John, uh, verse number 3 uh, John says, and this is in a New Living Translation, he says, Some of the traveling teachers recently returned and made me very happy by telling me about your faithfulness and that you are living to the truth. And then he says, I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. You, you see, our, our faithfulness will show in our conviction to the truth. That's, that's our ability to hold tight to truth. Solomon said, he said, buy the truth and sell it not. Once, once the truth is revealed, you hold tightly to that. It's precious. He said the kingdom of heaven is like a man who found a goodly pearl, and, and he finds it on land, and he knows how valuable it is, and so he goes and he sells everything so he can buy this land. That's how the truth is. That's how it is. It's, I'm willing to get rid of everything because the truth is more valuable than anything. And here's the truth. The truth we believe is that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant word of God. This is the supreme authority in our life. It's not some theologian. It's not some, some person on TBN. It's not my best friend who heard something on a podcast. No, the word of God is the supreme and ultimate authority in our life. And it's in the word of God that we know that that there's only one God. And we believe that. Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Ephesians says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, in all, and through you all. We believe there's one God. We believe in the gospel, the good news, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That, that he loved us so much that he robed himself in flesh. He didn't, he didn't have his son do the work. No, he robed himself and stepped into humanity with the goal and desire of dying for our sins. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again. And so, so we identify with the gospel. Uh, yes, yes, we are thankful for the grace, but the grace opened it up to the faith. And so now that we believe, we repent of our sins. We identify with his death. By repenting of our sins. We identify with his burial by being buried with him in baptism. And we identify with him resurrecting by being raised to life, by being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues. This is the truth that we believe. Amen? We practice this. We can't talk about it enough because this is inside of us. It's a part of our DNA. We see it. We, 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 I don't know about you, but maybe you remember the moment it was shown to you and you saw it and it jumped off the page and you had the revelation we, we believe uh, in living a holy life, both inwardly and outwardly, in, in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions. We, we believe that, that he's coming again someday soon. 
We're not preterists. We don't believe that he already came. No, we believe he's coming back for his church. This is our truth. But, but conviction to truth is to continue to be faithful in believing it and teaching it and following it. So to let up, to loosen up, to let go would be to stray from our convictions. We, we call that compromising our convictions. And the enemy wants nothing more. I heard one, one man say that, that it's amazing that, that revelation and deception look the exact same. People, people think sometimes that, that they're getting revelation, but really they're deceived. And they can look, they can look identical. Look what I found! Where did you find that? Paul addressing Timothy, because there were some in that time that were straying from the truth, he, he wrote in 1 Timothy 1, he, he said to him, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that teach no other doctrine. He, he said, listen, Timothy, you're going you're gonna to have to do some hard things. You're going to have to charge some individuals. You're, you're going to have to tell them to stop because they're, they're teaching false doctrine. He said, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith. Now, now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. For which some have strayed, having turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. He said, there's individuals that, that they believe they have new understanding, but reality is they've strayed from the truth. And it's the saddest thing to watch somebody who, who's on fire for God and can, in an instant, compromise, let go of, walk away from the truth. And so it's in our faithfulness that, that we have a, a godly conviction where we say, no, I'm going to hold on to this. And, and it's no I don't care. See, this is, this is how strong conviction is. Conviction says, I don't care what you preach on Sunday. If it goes against the word, me and my family, we'll get up and we'll find another church. Because that's how strong we believe in the truth. We, we buy it and we're not going to sell out. So if you decide to sell out, that's your decision. But I'm not going to sell out. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. The third thing it shows through is in our commitment. In our commitment. Later in that same passage, uh, 1 Timothy, Paul says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. He, he said, I'm thankful for that because it was my faithfulness and it showed through in my commitment to Christ. He would later say, I, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high call in Christ Jesus. And, and so how does, how does that show that word commitment, it's, it's a big word. What does that mean? What does it mean to be faithful and to let it be seen in our commitment? I think there's a couple different areas, and by, by no means is this an exhaustive list, just, just four areas that I think are important for us to talk about for a couple minutes. The first is seen in a commitment to cultivating a relationship with God. He should be our love. It should be the desire of our heart to grow closer to God. And, and you know how we do that. We do that daily communing with him in prayer, Bible reading. It's, it's fasting. It's, it's, it's dying to our flesh 
so that we can walk in the Spirit. Many times, Paul would say things like uh, continuing steadfastly in prayer, or he would say pray without ceasing. He said th- th- these things are important. They're, they're a part of the believer's walk. The, the next thing is a commitment to consecration. That, that's being separated from the world unto God. It's, it's, it's being holy before God and being what he has called us to be. And I tell you what, these kind of go maybe not quite in order. The last two, you could kind of interchange them. But I would say that, that until you cultivate a relationship with God, it's going to be very hard to be consecrated to him because they just look like rules. It just looks like I have to do this. And people who look at holiness as rules, I can tell you they have never cultivated a relationship with God. Because the closer I find I get to God, the more he whispers in my ear and shows me things within me when he says, I would really like that you just stop doing that. That's that's the conscience. And sadly, some have seared that conscience because they refuse to listen to it. And so cultivating a relationship will make it easy for us to have a commitment to consecration. The the second thing, and and I'll put it, I'm going to reverse the order. I don't think, no, I can't because it will make some of you mad because it won't fit with the words. There's an R in there. I forgot I I added that. The the third thing is a commitment to our calling. We're told to make our calling and election sure. And so it's not just about coming to church. It's not just about putting some money in the offering, but it's about understanding our God wiring, our purpose, what God has called us to do, what God has put inside of us, and it's being faithful to that calling. And then lastly, it's a commitment to connection. We've been talking about that. We'll talk some more about that on Sunday. Paul would say, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. And so we shouldn't be getting together less. People keep coming up to the platform and say, saying Jesus is coming back, and I, I, I've been one of those. I believe that. And so if we're to follow the word, he says that even more so as we see that day approaching, we should, we should not forsake being together because we need one another. The body is going to be healthy when the body is working together and being what God has called the body to be. The last thing, and the last way our faithfulness is shown is in consistency. Jesus would say in Luke chapter 16, unless you're faithful in small matters, you won't be faithful in large ones. If you cheat even a little, you won't be honest with the greater responsibility. Faithfulness is regularly seen in our consistency, and consistency is, is very hard. They, they say that, that 23% of people quit their New Year's resolution by the end of the first week of January. <laughs> Wide-eyed, vicious. They just bought a whole bunch of vegetables and a whole bunch of books and highlighters, and they're ready. They just bought a new box of floss, and they're like, I'm flossing every day. 23% of you, you're not making it in the week too. <laughs> Gingivitis and all other sorts of bad stuff. 43% quit by the end of the month. Only 9% actually complete the journey. Consistency is the process. I've, I've learned this 
you might not know this about Angie and I, but we've taken up gardening. And we're not quite on, on Katie's level, um, but, but we're, we're, we're taking small steps. And uh, we've, we've cultivated some, some tomatoes and some peppers and uh, um, some other stuff, parsley and, and basil or basil, however you say it. But you know what I learned is that in the first couple weeks, I was just putting water on, on dirt. And it kind of seemed like, why am I doing this? But every day we get out there and water the flowers, water the garden. And then one humid day, all of a sudden, a little green thing came out. And it's like, ah! Mommy and Daddy have plants, little little garden. We took pictures, and we were so excited. I've gotten off of social media, but if I would have been on, I would have probably posted something. It would have been, been precious. And you know what? One day, it got even bigger, and it got so big that we had to get a little stand because it was so heavy with the fruits growing on it and the, and, and the vegetables. And, and that, but it was consistency. A lot of us, we want the fruit, but we don't want the process. What's the shortcut? What's the, what's the quick way to, to get abs? Is there like a four-minute version, a video that I can watch, and while I'm watching it, they're just transferring? Do, do you remember that thing you could put on your stomach, and it did the, the electrical impulses into you? That's what we've come to. I don't want to sit up. I'll get a device that can help me with this. Consistency. It, it's seen in the small things, the daily repeatable things. You, you had one, Aunt Chris. I know you did. I know you did because I came over to your house and I used it when I was a kid. If you're going to be laughing that loudly, I'm going to tell everybody our secret. It was, it was Uncle Lenny's, wasn't it? Con- All right, I got to get back. I got, I got more to go. I got more to go. All right, come on. We're not supposed to be having this much fun on Wednesday. It's supposed to be serious. See, here's the thing, and I think this is a fill in blank. Consistency causes your roots to grow deep. And the way we should operate in the kingdom of God is roots before fruits. That, that the deeper our roots get, it will be able to sustain the fruitfulness that God has called us to. As a matter of fact, God operates this way in the kingdom. He, he, he's not... I've noticed God doesn't want people to fail, and so he doesn't set us up for failure. And so for that reason, he wants us to be rooted in his word and rooted in our faith. And only when we're rooted, then the fruit comes. Luke 8 and 15 says, keep it and bear fruit with, 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 with pa- pa- patience. What is that word? Patience. With patience. Patience. The Bible teaches that faithfulness must be demonstrated in our relationship with people as well as in our relationship with God. And only a relationship built on confidence, conviction, commitment, and consistency can survive the pressures of life. Uh, Let me just skip ahead for the sake of time. Uh, I want to end um, the same way we began last week. And and last week we, we started with the parable that Jesus told of the the parable of the talents and it's a parable that is designed to give us greater understanding into the kingdom of heaven and it's about a man that was traveling and he entrusted uh, three of his servants with some talents he gave one five he gave uh, the other two and the last one he gave one and and I think that we can learn a couple lessons there's there's a lot of things that can be 
pulled from this, but, but these three, three, I think, are very in, important as we kind of, kind of end bringing faithfulness and fruitfulness together. Because really, like I said, you can't have one without the other. And the first lesson is this. It's less about the amount of increase and more about the reality of increase. I want to say that again because I think that needs to settle in our spirit. It's less about the amount of increase. Well, look at them. Look at all the talents they have. And I only have this. It's, it's not about the amount. We, we don't need fruit police. There, there's no fruit quota. And, oh, sorry, you've not met the quota, so you have to sit in the back row. No, no, no. It's not about the amount of the increase. It's, it's about the reality that there is increase. Fruitfulness is a sign of faithfulness, but the size of the fruit doesn't enter the equation. He, he, didn't, he didn't measure. He, he didn't say, wow, I gave you five, and you had five more. You doubled that, and five more means that I can do. No, no, he said, you, you, you did something with what I gave you. God is ultimately the one who brings the increase. And so we don't need to worry about what comes as a result of our faithfulness. Uh, Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God is the one who brought the increase. Well, well, look at him. He, he is at his job, and he's won half of his work. And I've been telling my friends about God for the last five years, and no one's come to church. It's faithfulness. God is the one who brings the increase. See, the problem is, is when we start thinking that we are the ones who produce the fruit, we start acting like we're the Savior. And I'm the one who can save people. And I'm the one who can, who can will things. And I'm the one who can produce the good work. No, no, no. Your faithfulness will produce the fruit. The, the second lesson. Little things faithfully managed open the door to greater things. Little things faithfully managed open the door to greater things. It's easy to see the person with five as having the advantage over the person with the one. But, but Scripture says that he gave each according to his own ability. They, they gave it to the people he knew would be able to do something with it. If God would just open you up to, to the final stage and, and the leg of your calling it would probably crush you. I, I remember when I, remember when I uh, was elected uh, to be the youth president, and I already was feeling overwhelmed. I was already feeling like I, I was chasing my tail in days and couldn't catch up. And I remember sitting down with a, 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 a person I valued their voice, and I said, I have no idea how I can do this. I don't think I have the bandwidth. And he said, listen, if God's called you, he's going to give you the capacity. He said, just watch. Just watch in the next couple months. Things that used to be a struggle will become easy for you. And you'll see that God has stretched you. And it, truth, in, that, in those six years, my capacity was, was huge. That The things that I could get done. That, that wasn't a testimony of how great I was. It was God saying, listen, I'm not going to set you up for failure, David. And so every step along the way has been a test. And, and with your faithfulness, if you pass the test, there's, there's more opportunity. Maybe the, maybe the one with one was jealous 
And because he was jealous, he sat on his hands and said, listen, he has five, he has a good voice, he can preach, he can do this, because he can do those things, and I can't do them, I'm doing nothing. And the steward said, you wicked and slothful servant. You could have done, thrown in the bank, getting a couple pennies of interest, and at least you would have had fruit. And so little things faithfully managed open the door to greater things. Ultimately, it was their faithfulness that made him say, you've been faithful over few things. I will make you ruler over many things. And so if you're waiting for the promotion and the promotion's not coming, the first place to look is, am I being faithful with what's been entrusted to me? God, I want to do this. And God says, I can't have you do this because you're not even faithful with this. Perfect this. And then you can do that. But God, the dream is this. Yeah, the, dream's, the dream right now is out of reach because if I let you go through the door of the dream, it would crush you because you've not learned the lesson here. The last thing, I apologize. I, I, could, I could preach the whole message on these three points. The last thing, the stewards were not compared to each other, but according to what was entrusted with them. The stewards were not compared to each other but according to what they were entrusted with. The the master didn't come back and he didn't rank them and say, all right, um, well, you know, so you did five and and got five more. Well, then I get to the two person. Well, you did two and two more. Well, he he got way more than you. Everybody was judged based off of only what was given to them. Faithfulness is not about anyone else but you. When we talk about faithfulness, it's not about looking over the aisle and, and looking at your brother or sister and looking at their Instagram reel or looking at their ministry highlight and saying, well, they've done this, this. And no, no, no. Faithfulness is just about you. What can you do? What will you do with what you've been entrusted with? Faithfulness is ultimately your response to God's request. What will I do? And, and it's the desire of all of our hearts to one day stand before the throne and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. That's my desire, and I hope that's yours. And I hope these last two weeks have have maybe given us some insight as to, to where we should pursue. Maybe it shined a light on some areas that maybe we've neglected. Here's the beauty of the of the love of God. The moment you identify it, you can turn a corner. And, and he doesn't set you back at square one. He just says, hey, pick it up and keep going. So let's be faithful, amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I love you so much, and I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you've entrusted each one of us with. You've put your word inside of us. You've put your spirit inside of us. You've allowed us, God, the, the privilege and the opportunity to serve in your kingdom. I pray, God, would you help us to be faithful Help us to be faithful, Lord, in our commitment to the kingdom. Lord, I pray that we would hold tightly to truth, that we'd be consistent in our walk with you, Lord. God, there is a very big task ahead of us. 40,000 people in this community that need to know about Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray would you help us to be your hands and feet everywhere we go, everything we do. Let us not be preoccupied with our time and, and our world, but, Lord, let us be preoccupied with the kingdom because that's what you asked us. You said that we need to seek first the kingdom. 
Help us today, Lord, to be faithful with what's been entrusted to us, each person giftings, each person talents, each person abilities. Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to, to have the courage to continue to move. Lord, let fear not be uh, the thing that, that paralyzes us, but Lord, help us to be strong and of a good courage and walk, God, diligently and disciplined in the call you have for us. I pray you be with us as we go from here. Help us to have a wonderful night. And Lord, tomorrow, let it be filled with great opportunities and blessings. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Lord bless you all. Have a wonderful evening, and we will see you back here on Sunday for family service. Love you.